Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. I'm Aaron Castro. You can find me at the Strobro. I am joined by... Victor, no longer at NYC Tours. He is uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. an original of the dirt, um, mm-hmm. leading uh, the Unla Melee podcast, which mm-hmm. is our Spanish language po- platform. It's pretty awesome. Um, I would say my reading has actually gotten better in Spanish. I can't, I, I don't know anything that people say in Spanish. Actually, I do, When especially when you're watching, like, you know, Thank God Super Rugby sort of still quasi-exists mm-hmm. because all of the rugby championship games have a Spanish option. Yeah, that's right. So, and uh, also joined by uh, Craig Gradelli. He is at American RFC, and uh, we, EarfulOfDirt.com, is the proud host of our new column, which he needs to write again because um, he did a couple – maybe it was a month ago um, – Monday morning fly half, but generally guys, um, we haven't been around, uh, like podcasting every week in part because it's been a wild and long off season. And I just wanted to let, I think we sort of, uh, had an unspoken agreement to just, you know, let things ride and let people get used to whatever was going to be on. Cause we're basically in month nine of the lockdown. Um, so, I just, you know, like, cheers to the Little Rouge Rugby podcast and I guess those guys at the rant for somehow being able to create content every week. I just, I mean, people are busy, man, you know? I feel like you guys need to deal with your, do your lives because Craig has a dog and a boy and Victor has, you know, a daughter. We we actually have two, like, earful of dirt, like, progeny. Yeah, like, we do. We got the babies. Another on the way. Look, if you uh, if you actually wait, Jackie's pregnant. Yeah, man. What? Oh, dude, congrats! Did I not pay? Oh, did I not pay attention to Facebook that well, or did you just forget to text me? I think I actually. Uh, I feel like I texted the group thread. I mean, this is she's she's pretty pregnant now. We're doing. I totally, man. I told it. Maybe I said congratulations. I'll have to search. Probably you did. Yeah, I forgot if I. But, if but you yeah. conceived a baby, the beginning of pandemic, it's almost actually due date now. Like you, the, for those people that began, you know, staying at home conceiving children, the the first pandemic babies are about to. The first uh, class of pandemic babies are about yeah, to. Yeah, uh, my my uh, brother in law and his wife. We actually did do some traveling for during this period of time. We went to Colorado in October for her baby shower. And, uh, you know, it's like, Hey guys, it's like June. We're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like Aaron said, look, it, there's been a, it's been a long off season. There's not that much news. And as much as we like to hear each other talk, uh, you know, we, we don't want to fill up your podcast feed with, uh, us just rambling on, uh, every week. So we try to keep them to when there's, uh, you know, a critical mass of, of subjects to discuss. Uh, 
before we before we I'm go. I'm trying live. to do. I guess like, have you guys? I mean, I've been watching only. There's only one competition that exists right now, and that's the the Tri Nations. Mm-hmm. What have you guys thought about that? Because um, if it's if it's on um, that other thing, we're not gonna. We're not gonna acknowledge it exists. Right. <laughs> that other thing. I wonder what that is. Just say it's on a platform that is extremely That'll, expensive. Whoa! I'm getting uh, double feedback on my phone there. Uh, I, you know, it's weird having a Tri Nations and it be the Southern Hemisphere tournament without South Africa. Um, so I mean, that's that's been strange. Capped it off with. All blacks are human. They can lose. Uh, so I mean, it's it's a weird year, and it's been a pretty weird rugby year too. Uh, you know, with with that development, yeah, it's you know um, the the cool one was uh, you know the Ar- Argentina beating uh, the All Blacks, and uh, you know Pablo Matera becoming like a meme, and I guess he's going through some weird stuff now because mm-hmm. the Pumas didn't. Uh, uh, the Pumas didn't honor Diego Maradona enough. Like that's what that's what I'm getting out of this whole thing because they did wear armbands that had Maradona, black armbands that had Maradona's name. Uh, you know, not engraved but um, embroidered. Uh, and like the coaching staff did, so they did something. And then you know, I, I guess you know, th- things got weird. After that, and uh, the other weird one, which which was weird before today, this was was uh, in that competition we're not talking about was a sponsor uh, that spends millions of pounds a year in uh, value and kind and money uh, to the RFU, wishing England good luck against Wales, and I'm like literally a sponsor. Of yeah. the team is uh, getting wrecked because you know I, I guess uh, every time BT every time Scotland plays a game as Tim Cocker on the uh, A Chaser said be like oh how dare they how dare the British Telecom oh uh, change their name to Scottish Telecom so, uh, that was a horrible that was a great accent. <laughs> but uh, that's basically spot, spot on Cocker impression there but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I don't know why people are getting offended at either. Like, you have literally a monetary relationship between um, between the RFU and British Airways. Uh, so, like, this is kind of normal in America. Sponsors put out a social creative, uh, wishing the team they sponsor luck, and that's just it's just how it is. Yeah, and uh, you know, apparently, it, it was like apparently you can't do that. I mean, like, it's it's strange and it's annoying. Um, from, yeah. Like I, I didn't mean, know anything about the game, but I knew that people were mad about. If there was going to be an objection to that relationship, you would think, and maybe it did at the time. I don't even remember, but you know, you would think it's when they decided to sponsor England specifically. You know, they, obviously, for people listening that don't know the full story, British Airways, the island of Britain, you know, covers Scotland as well as Wales as well as England. Um, so British Airways, technically, you might think would apply to all three. They happen to sponsor English rugby, uh, and they wished English England rugby a good game or good luck or whatever it was. And uh, you know, the Welsh and, and Scots, I guess, were some portion of them were offended. But 
I don't know. I mean, it, again, if if they were going to be offended, which is weird to begin with, but uh, it would have been at the time, in my mind, when the sponsorship was announced. Not Obviously, now they're already a sponsor. They're on the jersey. They're going to wish their team good luck. Um, that said, I can't begin to understand – the dynamic of the you know the United Kingdom interrelationships uh, as an American, though I am watching The Crown, so maybe I'll get some insight. I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> I'll report back on a few so, like, We paused on The Crown here because there was this like really dark episode that involved Nazis, and I was just like, uh, I can't. I, like I, I am totally willing to watch like hardcore war movies. My uh, significant other Brooke is not into that. But, uh, you know, um, <laughs> yes, uh, Scott, I am, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. Beat England and then complain. And so I pause the crown. We're past that sort of catching up into, I guess, sort of the time period where, well, we were alive, but we didn't like really, we weren't like cognizant of, uh, you know, Diana being this worldwide phenomenon. I guess we know she was a worldwide phenomenon because, when she died, she was no longer a member of the the British royal family, and she uh, like she had a state funeral. And if you like, I, I remember which wasn't the Queen, but it was the one with uh, the movie with Helen Mirren um, being um, Elizabeth, and uh, it was like, well, Diana's dead, and she's like, so like, she's she's not a member. It's like if we don't do something, it's going to get bad. And well, they they had a state funeral, and you know it looked okay. Um, this but, was we Scott in the chat too. I remember this all happening. So well, I remember the funeral, but we remember like the early part of like when she was actually married to Charles. Mm-hmm. That I mean, part. I knew who Princess Diana was before she died. I mean, I don't remember. I can't recall great details of their life before that, but uh, I, I remember, remember going Telemundo, Telemundo in California, like had her, like this is how big Diana was, had her funeral on live. Damn. In I remember, I think I remember watching the funeral live. Elton John, I could be remembering this completely wrong, but I think Elton John did like a live of of the Marilyn Monroe song with the words changed. So instead of like goodbye Norma Jean or whatever it normally was, it was goodbye England's Rose. And he like did a whole new version of the song for Diana. At least that's my memory. So you know that's just sort of how you know things things are things are kind of going in the in the it. Scott, you're older, aren't you? I, I know Craig's old. Like I, I'm the older boy on here. I mean, I, all I gotta say is I have the least amount of hair on the show. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going on the um, road too, buddy. No worries. But uh, yeah, so what did you guys think of uh, of the game this last weekend? Uh, I I guess it was kind of. Did, did you guys expect? It was pretty close. I mean, until like the second half, like there was the, that one try scored an extra time after all the penalties, the way things were going. I, I, I'm like, hey, ref, blow the whistle and call this game because we're talking about red card. Like, and somebody, I mean, in extra time, was it Cody Taylor? I forget, got a yellow 
Like it was like 82 minutes, uh, yellow. I, I know rugby, obviously things can't end on a penalty, but it was about to get ugly. Like in the physical sense, not in the like score. Like it was already ugly on the scoreboard at that point. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's, it's been a weird year. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, the, the, that was the first result scoreboard wise. I think that sort of fit what you would have expected before this whole season kicked off. So, oh yeah. In that sense, you know, I don't think it was much of a surprise, but I guess, you know, given where we've been the last few weeks, um, you know, now it's maybe, now maybe you have a better insight as to why there might be a buildup of frustration. Um, still, obviously, you never want to see. Yeah, I think, you know, at a certain, because people, like, there was a lot of whinging about needing to, uh, South Africa deciding not to go to Australia for the rugby championship saying mm-hmm. we need 400 minutes of game time, like super rugby level game time to be like match fit, which if we go by the fact that the Pumas were able to beat the all blacks in the fashion, they beat the all blacks completely shows that you didn't need that. But I also look at, we are definitely starting to see the fatigue um, that such that test level competition creates when you haven't had a lot of you know high quality matches and you know the season ended in March and their first high quality game was I guess three weeks ago so you know and and they've played uh you know very well uh against Australia in that draw um so it's but I think when you look at something like this either the team is going to suck early and at the end they'll gel together and that's when they'll win their game because we're at such a high level of professionalism that, you know, they're going to like eventually gain the continuity in the system and and win, or they're going to win early and then it's just going to drop, which is what we're seeing right now. I kind of don't think they have a chance against uh, Australia this weekend, uh, to be honest. If Argentina wins, I'll be really surprising, all honesty. I don't know. I, I think they certainly have a chance. I mean, Australia is all over the map too, and and I think a lot of these teams. I mean, we. I think you've seen it, especially with the All Blacks, but with all the teams that are playing right now, execution. I don't think is at the level that we're nor- we're normally accustomed to that level of you know top tier one test rugby. Um, so I, I feel like normally rugby's a little more on the predictable side where there's not, there's not that many big upsets, you know, usually it's just so execution based where, you know, the team that does the 15 right steps faster and better is going to win. But right now, you know, you're, you're, you're accustomed to all blacks always executing almost perfectly. Um, But, and even they're not. So I think Australia much and and Argentina, both are much more volatile in my mind, even Mm -hmm. in in times. So especially, now I feel like I I have no idea. I think anything could happen. I mean, well, like for the All Blacks, you have the like obviously the coaching um, transition. So you know, even though they had played, uh, you know, been in camp for a while after Aotearoa and played the the North versus South game, which was a great game by the way. Um, they and those Bledisloe games, you still saw like there was. There is some growing pains under this coaching staff, and they, they from what I can, I, you just watch this the way they've played or in their selection, they can't figure out their back three. 
Although this back three looks good, like um, right now. So, I, but um, the biggest one for me was Richie Moonga. He can kick from anywhere. Mm. Like there was a ball. the The first conversion he kicked, just like the way the trajectory at the beginning, it didn't look like it was gonna make it, and then it just ever so slightly started curving, almost like. Almost like he hit a tee shot. Like that's that's what it looked like. You know, like he was at the Masters with his driver. <laughs> <laughs> He's been kicking yeah, like that for a while now. Like for, for Crusaders, it's been kicking like that for quite a while, actually. Oh well, I was kick. Just I'm like, saying like it was amazing. And then um yeah. Yeah, I was saying it must be nice for you in New Zealand to just have like the world's greatest tens flowing out of you every direction. Yeah, you know, people are like, "Well, uh, I mean, when Bowden Barrett came from his medical back to play with the Blues, and like he lost the job to Oter Black, and I'm like, I don't know. I think that because the intent was to have him play fullback with the All Blacks, they're like, you get to go play fullback, even though like fitness wise, you know, his his Bronco time was something stupid where people are like, huh, huh. How did he just survive lockdown and put out a Bronco time like that? But Otero Black didn't play well for the Blues. And when they finally put Bowden at 10, they, they played pretty well. And people were like, they're going to beat the Crusaders. And then the game was canceled and Crusaders, you know. I was won. so mad, by the way, because of that. So mad. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, I, I kind of wonder about the back three. And sort of the system that, I mean, the system is the same pretty much from coaching staff to coaching staff. It just seems kind of weird. And, you know, generally I was a Scott Robertson um, hopeful when it came to coaches, but uh, you know, it's, it's like, whatever, uh, like they're the all blacks and I, I really don't care what I, what I, I guess the one political thing I will say on the show is like, people are like, Oh, Biden this, because you know, I'm like, just what we need, another front runner um, that won't pay attention to the Eagles. Um, you know, that's that's sort of my uh, my one thing. It's not even political. All I know is the All Blacks gave him a jersey, and uh, he had a tweet to Dave Carney, and he's never seen the Eagles ever. So that's my, my thing. Never yet. He's never been president. Give him a chance. Hey, well, you know, he, he might have his chance very soon. Um, we're – we're approaching uh we're approaching certification dates with the way all this the, the the dominoes or whatever you want to call it going and uh the projected president elect is probably gonna you know we're, we're probably gonna have regime change I'm not I'm saying probably because I, I don't really know um what's going on here because we're in some states you're going into a full lockdown again I just I, I, I think people are like uh you know, like I, I stopped chasing MLR player rumors a long time ago because there's 13 teams in the league. Like on any and and uh, you know Craig knows this because he's worked with me in the past for when I do MLR specific stuff for MLR. It's like I basically have to memorize like 400 names, and uh, I just don't care now until the season. Um, you know, like, speaking of regime change, though. Uh... There's a regime change in the qualification for the World Cup going forward. Is that uh, 
Oh, that's that's spicy, and I'm so pissed off. We sort of talked about it, um, Dustin. Um, it is finally cold in Arizona, so I'm freezing. Cold. <laughs> um, cold. Yeah, so what do you guys make of that? Like, my Spanish is horrible, but I kind of took away what I thought I was supposed to take away, and then I know I was talking to Brian Ray about it, and I know he actually spoke with Ignacio Chans, and I spoke with – uh, a world rugby person about it, and it's like, um, you know, ARC's done. South Sud America rugby, Uruguay doesn't want to work with Canada. Like that's it's sort of like, it, and the thing, the, the the sad thing is that on a day they made such a huge administrative change there was almost no details via official world rugby channels impartially because I, I don't know his first name. Dominici um, um, passed away. Ah, give me the French guy. Christophe yeah. Dominici um, passed away that, that, uh, that day. So all there was from world rugby channels, from every single other channel out there that day was just, you know, tributes to Christophe Dominici, which I understand because he was such an electric player and contributed a lot to the French. But like the the release from World Rugby, like, wasn't even tweeted out. Yeah. If, if you like, don't know, because it, it's reasonable that you might not, like, it's good to have Victor back on at the uh, Southern from New York City. Real flavor to the podcast. Um, the, uh, the story, if you haven't heard, is essentially as Aaron was, you know, sort of implying or, you know, generally directing you to is uh, ARC is no longer going to be a qualification event for future World Cups. There's just going to be a specific Rugby America's North and South qualification. But the, like event. generally the tournament's gone from mm-hmm. every person. Well, that's a separate thing. We, we think the tournament may be gone based on the comments of whatever Maybe. Uruguay, but, but we know that the, the qualification has changed. There may be an ARC in the future. There may not be, uh, but it won't be the qualification event for world rugby anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, uh, it's good for up for us up in up North. It didn't really change much. If we look at the, the previous qualification pathway, uh, it sort of um, makes it, it's more equitable in a sense, I think, but I think you would have had, if you didn't use the ARC as the qualification pathway, which is what they were trying to do, which is the pathway that they use in Oceania with the Pacific nations cup. And it's the pathway they use in Europe with the, uh, with the rugby Europe championship. And it's the pathway they use in Africa with that African gold cup, which is these, these regional tournaments feed into, um, as the qualification pathway uh, to the world cup. And that was like, so effectively they were normalizing uh, what we did here. Um, but I politically, I guess that's not feasible now because Canada voted for uh, William Beaumont and Rand's other vote. Um, what Rand split their votes and one went to August on Pichot and, we, we sort of did a show on this, but it's now finally official. But I think if the ARC wasn't going to be the pathway, this is sort of how it would have to be anyways, because as of right now, 
Uruguay is ranked higher than Canada. Mm-hmm, that's right. So the yeah. only reason why it worked out, the only reason why America's one and America's two basically went through North America is because both the U.S. and Canada at the time were ranked above um, Uruguay. I think if Uruguay was ranked higher than Canada at the time, politically it would have been tough to basically give the first team in North America an easy shot. And unlike uh, Uruguay, this last tournament, this last World Cup, the U.S. and Canada did not win a game. So they really didn't have any clout to retain a North American entry, like sort of auto entry that would be decided between the U.S. and Canada. So yeah. um, it's kind of like it's almost the way it was before the ARC. <laughs> um, but I think the weirdest thing about the new system, as I understand it, is you know this sort of institutional Uruguayan. Uh, advantage because they, they get like a, basically a first round buy for the South America portion, and they are obviously the best team today. And then they get the ho- and then they host the qualification tournament. Like it's not home yeah. and away, or what? It's not, like, <laughs> not yeah. So they get a buy, then they host the tournament. So like they get the economic advantages of hosting the tournament, the sponsorship, and all that stuff. Because like if you. I think Victor, the other Victor I sort of chat with um, that runs Portal do Rugby. Yeah, Brazilian, uh, so, Brazilian so, Victor. The Brazilian Victor, as we, as we call him. Uh, he was talking, like, he's like, this removes any chance for, you know, other unions to generate revenue. Because without home tasks that are in this pathway, um, they can't sell anything to sponsors. They can't get rem- remuneration um, from, you know, selling tickets or, and then the value of the television, if they are able to sell TV rights, we know how hard that is up here, um, is much less. So it's, it's, but I guess if you look at it, well, the, the president of Sud America rugby right now is, uh, is Sebastian Pinarua, who was the former president of, uh, Union del Rugby de Uruguay. So, um, yeah. By the way, guys, let me quickly interject just to give the breakdown real quick about the um, the qualifiers for everyone else. By the way, for those of you that are watching this live, um, you may notice I got a, I have my ARC shirt when USA won that one time. Really good, really good match. By the way, so let me give you guys the quick rundown on that. So round one is Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Paraguay, and the top two advance to round two. Then round two is Uruguay, Argentina, fifteen for the hell of it, and those are the two from round one and whoever wins becomes a South American one and it goes to, a, to round three. Then after that round three, you have a North American one and South American one and whoever wins qualifies directly to the World Cup and the loser goes to round five. Then round four is a playoff between South America two and North America two and that advises to round five. Then round five is a loser from round three and the winner from round four and whoever wins qualifies as America's two. And then the loser goes to the rubber charge and the rubber charge of course is America's three, Africa two, Europe three, and as, as well as Asia and Pacific, well, Asia Pacific too, actually, technically. And whoever wins that goes to the World Cup as the 20th uh, participant. Now, if you guys really think about it, this really hurts North America rugby in the sense that instead of having that direct pathway from that match directly to the World Cup, now you have to go 
to South America one, and then if you win, then you go directly to the World Cup. So more more so than anything else, this affects North America uh, or RAN as a union more so than South America rugby. Well, the, the change isn't just that. Um, the change, like, there is a debate about, hey, Rugby Mexico should move to Sudamerica Rugby because it provides them the best comp- competition um, and pathway. And language. Which the language is fine, but if you look at culturally, people are like, culturally, they yeah, fit with course. South America, but they don't. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. look at every other continental association, mm-hmm. um, for like Mexico is in a north, is in a north. The, the thing that is different between every other continental association, but rugby, is that Central America is grouped with the Caribbean and Mm -hmm. the rest of North America. That's right. So the only like continental association that's different is rugby. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that, and people don't pay attention to the politics. And I, I I knew this because I had paid attention to it. It's like the president of Ram is the former president of rugby Mexico. So do you think the former president of rugby Mexico where, where Mexico as like a union has been able to make an impact on development within the region and help, you know, their own development. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they would remove themselves and put them in with, with Sudamerica rugby and like actually hurt their pathway on the women's side? Because all, they've made tons of progress on the women's side. The women, um, Las Serpientes went to uh, Rugby World Cup sevens. Like they actually have a chance at qualifying for the Olympics because um, I think, yeah, I think they might have qualified for the Olympics. Now that I think about it, I need to go no, back. And look. Uh, no, 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 actually, no. What, what happened was that the women actually they're going to a rubber charge. Actually, yeah. So the, so the women, so the Mexican women after ran sevens are going to the rubber charge. So they have a, but they have a pretty good chance of qualifying for the Olympics. Whereas if they were in, like, I don't know, Sudamerica rugby for women is kind of, it's all kinds of strange. Like, women's rugby out here is very behind um, compared to, like, what is in, say, um, the Commonwealth nations, per se, mm-hmm. um, Europe especially. Um, but it's just the, the politics are, but by doing this decision, the, the America's rugby challenge is gone. Um, like completely, like we we're pretty sure the ARC is gone, but the America's Rugby Challenge is gone. Um, so like the they're like for like competition, um, because they're either, they're a lot better than the rest of the teams in Ram, or they're a lot worse in, in a sense that Mexico is the third best team in North America, except that if we played them, we if we play the Eagles. We'd probably put 120 points on them in the first half. It just that's mm-hmm. just kind of the reality up here. But um, yeah, it's it's all kinds of nuts. It's 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 really not good for the hemisphere when it comes to development of the region. And it's like uh, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. At, at a certain point, we're all blind and missing teeth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very profound. So yeah, it's crazy, but yeah. So that's that's a good one. Um, 
I guess did any of you guys watch the Eagles women stars and stripes match, which was the second match was canceled because there was a coronavirus positive and exposure in camp. But did you anyone watch the first game? It was actually free on flow, which was surprising. Um, no, I did not watch it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I know that our friends over at American Rugby Pod uh, watched it. Um, most of that squad had been in camp for two months, and it was a it was a rough one. That's all I gotta say. And you know, if you, I know that uh, Pete Steinberg said over on MLR Kickoff because I produced that show, um, said that you know the biggest difference between match one and match two is like the growth that you would see is in match two. Um, like even though like they haven't played an actual match um, amongst themselves, mostly because um, of the pod system that they've been using to train, which is like keeping groups of um, 11 or smaller. Um, so they haven't had even like an in-camp scrimmage. Um, but um, um, Scott said, well, those people who would make the squad are playing in Europe. So I'm not really worried about them. Um, generally, like we are so messed up in our cycle because of the current circumstances that we have a world cup in October of next year. Like no September, like end of September of next year. So like if you weren't at this camp, you're probably not getting called up for the tests that we're going to play against Canada. That's just the reality of it because I understand women's rugby is like pay to play. I get it, but it's, it sucks. Like that's just our situation. So, I mean, if you want to help make a difference, donate to the few 15 foundation to help support uh, the women's Eagles camps and also donate to the all in campaign that USA rugby launched a couple of weeks ago to raise $600,000 for, to fund um, world camp preparation, world rugby uh, world cup camp preparation. Um, but yeah. Um, I would say most of the front rows um, combos, like all of those players played during the super series um, scrummaging was rough. Um, other set piece attack stuff was rough. Passing was rough. I was just like, we've been in camp for two months and this is what we're seeing. I, I, I know we have like higher standards for ourselves and, you know, I'm pretty sure they all like saw the film breakdown and would probably be disappointed. Um, but I, I just, it was, it was a tough one and that's where like not getting that second match, um, based on the circumstances is really impactful because, at the end of the day, um, we have to get this team ready to compete in the World Cup. Now, at the same time, we got a good draw. We got Canada, Europe one, and Asia one. So it like should be pretty easy to get into the knockout rounds from here. Mm-hmm. Well, for women, I mean, we we expect knockout rounds regardless. Right? I mean, I'm, I don't know who it is, but who who do we play in the quarterfinals if we win our? Yeah, you know, who's our likely quarterfinal opponent? That's probably more right. Um, looking at right? right, it's sixteen teams now. Uh, no, it's twelve. It's twelve. It's still 12. Next, the next cycle, it will be sixteen teams. Um, really in the knockout that. rounds. Um, because I think what the way the thing went was 
Um, it was the top six went, and then bottom six went, and uh, I forget who he played in the knockout because it wasn't a full quarterfinal. But yeah. we're probably looking at, you know, like in England, like we're either well, no, England and um, they're not in the same pool. So England and uh, you know the Black Ferns are probably going to get buys unless it's France because these things are stacked, man. Like, and I'm I'm pretty sure with the way England is playing, they they were crowned Six Nations champions. They played very well in their test series that they've had with France this, this fall um, that it's just, you know, it's going to be, I think we're going to get, we would get like a France or an Australia. And if we got Australia, I think, I mean, they're well coached. They're really good rugby players, but compared to, um, you know, where we saw them the last world cup, um, they're still, they're not nearly, if they can have, I, I guess the difference would be is if they can have a super W season um, later on in 2021 and we don't get a good club competition going, um, that w- we will struggle in the knockout rounds, I think. And I think that will negatively affect um, Canada as well. But Canada has ha- has players playing in New Zealand, they have players playing in France, and they have players playing in uh, England. And right now we only have players playing in England. We don't have that many playing in England. So um, I think right now, um, you know, if we can get some more players overseas in in the meantime so that they can get high-quality match time, um, that will be very important. Um, so uh, there was another topic that Craig wanted to broach. Oh, the uh, the Guardian article. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we haven't had. It's been a few weeks. This came out at the end of October, but uh, you know, it, it certainly made the rounds on Twitter. Uh, it was an article uh, where it was essentially a former Glendale. Uh, well, I don't know exactly what his title was, Aaron. You probably know. Um, um the Pat Guthrie, I believe, is his name. Pat Guthrie is his name. He yeah. is. Uh, like from what I understand, he's the owner of the production company that does all of Glendale's matches. And he was a minor partner. And I mean, minor, and this is where it gets weird. Like, I don't know who's really interested in hearing what a 1.6% owner of the Raptors has to say. And it, it sort of just came across as like, to be honest, like this is the mouthpiece of mayor Donovan. Yeah. And it was mostly sour grapes. Like it was very there, were sour. Some, there were some things that you know you could easily acknowledge, like the path to rev the path to um you know profit on the side the path to being you know in the black uh is pretty like arduous here. But I mean we knew that, right? Like yeah, did, yeah, did exactly. anyone not think that this was gonna be a 20-year project? Yeah, like, I mean that's basically your your response is sort of my overall feeling is I feel like the article attempts to construe the background of what's been happening at MLR is somehow deceptive or nefarious, um, but the things he's describing act what you expect to happen in a league of this kind. Like at one point, he even says something like. 
you know, we were gonna, you know, we we're supposed to have real strict budgets and that was going to be how we had financial stability. But instead we're just bringing in these big admission fees, um, you know, to cover our costs, which it's, it, it makes it sound like that's a complaint for the incumbents, but really that's a huge benefit for the incumbents, right? I mean, their, their investment stays in play on a much lower cost basis because people are coming behind them, you know, f- essentially funding that, that cash need at a much higher, uh, a much higher price. So yeah, they're all equal. Yeah. They're all pro rata owners of the league, but the, the incumbents paid a much smaller fee to get in. Like what, um, like what pe- like people don't understand is like how much the original seven paid is significantly less than what uh, Adam Gilchrist bought the uh, loyals now turned guiltinis for now. And he bought the Gilgronies for, you know, more than double what he bought his license for. And now, like with guys like Chairman Eric Anderson and, you know, Chris Dunlavies and the Bill Webbs of the world and, and the Adam Gilchrist of the world, you know, the m- sort of money owners sort of, I guess, effectively making policy. Now, I, I don't know this. This is not really... Um, where I sit with, you know, as a disclaimer, where I work for the league, I, I work in like, you know, scouting and marketing. Um, so I like when it came to the draft, yeah, I'm the, I, I did stuff for the draft. When it comes to like league policy, I, I, I know nothing. I just discern and have conversations with GMs, coaches, and, and owners. If owners want to say something, you know, like on the media side of the house, that's where I, I'm, I'm just, this is my own like discernment of the situation. And it's just like, okay, so you paid a lot less. You had a tight salary cap. Um, It's not like, this is where I got beef though. Glendale was bringing in foreign players to dominate uh, the amateur competition in America for almost a decade, you know? Yeah. They had their share of board players. I mean, they just signed like think of all their offseason signings in his previous season. Um, you know, Renee Ranger and uh Yuane. I mean, they they had brought in a number of farmers too. Look, I'm not I'm not trying to point fingers at Glendale or complain in any way. I think they gotta do what's right for them. I appreciate their contribution to MLR and to American rugby. I just I want to make, I felt like it was worthwhile to tell our listeners that if you read this article, I at least don't view it as some sign of distress for the league that it seems to be at least indirectly suggesting exists. Uh, You know, I I think this is stuff you would expect. And in fact, is a sign of a healthy league, you know, that, that future owners come in at a higher price when they start coming in at a lower price. Yeah, then, that's then, then, then I'll be concerned. Like the value you want, like there's healthy competition. I think in the um, state of the league address, which was not as, I guess, not as meaty as I would have hoped uh, that the commissioner put out. Uh, that was about five minutes long. You know, I guess in the back of my mind, you're all everyone wants like, you know, a commissioner to like go on for like 45 minutes. Uh, talking about everything, but it was, it, it was a very succinct thing. And it, it, like the reality is we have 13 teams last year. We had 12 
So we we are continuing to expand. The the next licenses, um, the value of those is you know significantly greater than uh, even you know the Giltini's license, right? Like not only do you have like you just there it's and what you're paying in your license isn't you know offsetting um what uh isn't really offsetting what the other owners paid in because they're still expenses you know yeah it's just funding the operation of the league but the incumbent owners get the benefit of their operations being funded too uh, having had to contribute much less of the total cash, let's put it that so, way. So uh, it's it's not like everything I knew about this model is like it was an MLS sort of NHL hybrid, single single entity ownership. Uh, yeah, like, and people are wondering about uh, like the things that he alleged about Eric Anderson and like the agreements that may have been made with Eric Anderson when he came into the league, and also with Gilchrist when he came into the league. The the one that like annoyed me was like I guess Glendale wanted there to be two licenses in the LA market. I'm not sure what people know about rugby in this country, but there are hundred under 150,000 amateur players from U4 to old boys. So if you think the market is ready right now to deal with two rugby teams in Los Angeles. I mean, anyone sensible has to view MLR as in its, you know, loss leading stage right now where they're going to lose money to build a brand and a product. And then hopefully obviously the long term is it becomes financially viable, but uh, yeah. So, it, you know, again, and, and by the way, I also love the guardian and their rugby coverage. So this is in no way a criticism of that at all. Uh, just I, again, to recap, I just want to make sure that I've come across clearly, which is that I, you know, I don't think that any of these things alleged in that article should be signs that concern you people out there that MLR is at the breaking point or is a toxic environment or is close to folding it. It may be close to I have no idea, but nothing in that article would lead me to believe that to be the case. I think the biggest thing is like the thing that if you're wondering about if the league is close to folding, I would say that if there isn't a season in 2021, I think it will be very difficult for these people that, have millions and millions of dollars because there are several owners like of there are multiple owners that are very wealthy that there are some owners that aren't very wealthy, but are also wealthy that may look at this a little bit different. If we can't get on the field, mm-hmm. you know, if yep. we can't get on the field, it's I vaccines out there, you would I struggle. To see now. 20, I would struggle to see a 2022 season. Um, but with the way things have gone through most of the country is that there is a professional team exemption. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be a season. What it looks like? Dunno. Good thing I know. That, team. I know that plans have been continuously made and things continue to change. And I know people are like, give us a schedule. Give us this. I'm like, Generally speaking, if I was planning, if I had done the planning, 
I'm pretty sure the schedule was the original schedule was done in August, and then things changed. Yeah, and then they and then and then they announced the the, the season got pushed back a month and a half. There's an NFL uh, game on a Wednesday this week, so as you guys might imagine, the schedule is probably going to be in flux for a 2021 MLR season. So I, I I would say everyone be patient. I would say if you're wondering about finances, the league's fine. Um, there's enough big money around the league in general that, you know, as long as we personally, as long as there is a season, it's good. You know, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. Yep. Um, but yeah, and, the, and then there was like a follow up, and like Alex Goff also did an interview with, uh, um, with Pat Guthrie that was like, it was even, it was even weirder. And it was like reading paint dry. No, no, watching paint dry was more entertaining than, than reading that. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's really hard to, you know, it's really hard to, to think about uh, when it, when it comes to, a lot of this stuff. Um, there was another topic, I think. Are we just going to just talk? I know that people sent in questions, um, but bring it on. Um, let's see here. We could talk about the MLR shirts if you guys want. Do what? We can talk about the MLR shirts if you guys want. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jeez. You want to? Let's How give a ranking. Let's I go. Mean, top five. Let's go. I, top five. I, top five. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. Top five. Well, that's five to know. one. Let's put it. Go. I gotta pull them up to look at them, man. Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Yeah. Go. Go right ahead, guys. You. You. You guys do that. Them. MLR kit reveal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, everyone has been all over the free jacks because of the hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sexy. Which I like. I'm a collar. Love a collar. Pop the collar. Um, so for me, Free Jacks number one, both home and away. Like those are solid. Mm-hmm. Um the, the one that was kind of disappointing, they're still they're solid. They get good scores. But I, I kind of wanted to see a reversion of the um Seattle home stuff to like what you saw in season one and two. Like those solid uh, fluo green and gray and blue hoops. Like I thought that was great, but they've repeated the uh, the season ticket holder uh, name hoops thing, which was sort of copied by New York with the uh, the neighborhood names. Mm-hmm. Nothing copied by New York, Aaron. We originate only. <laughs> well, your pinch your your prison stripes last year were great. <laughs> uh, yeah. I do uh, like Rooney's this year. Um, I think I, they're probably my. I, I I don't know who the order of my top five are, but I, Rooney's in there. I kind of like the Jackals. Um, kid, I like the Jackals. It's very. I, I clean. agree. It's a. I would say it's very clean and inoffensive. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's 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 you know I I think the colors really mesh well. Yeah, I like the color combo. Yeah. It's like that teal, or black, is nice. black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of in like the Rooney home jersey, you can't really tell like what it like what it is. I guess it's some type of tile 
but it's like really hard to tell. And then, but the um, the Utah home and away jersey, which is a, a topographical map of the uh, of the Salt Lake Basin, is their home one, and then it's the uh, the Wasatch Range. Yeah. That's a little much for me. <laughs> That's a little busy for me. I mean, it's got, I mean, it's, you get these mountains and it's kind of cool. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that's, the one I'm struggling with is I love, I'm cool with the faux collar. I know people didn't like the faux collar, but if you, there is a former All Blacks jersey which has a four collar that is similar, faux collar that is similar to this. But the, the one I'm struggling with is, uh, the San Diego one with the supplemented gladiator helmet, which is, I guess, a homage to the the cohort um, mm-hmm. folks. Yep. And there well, we go. Legionnaire's helmet, isn't it? Isn't that the idea? There we go. Gustavino tiles. Thank you, Scott. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I get it's a homage to the cohort, but that white jersey from season one was so good. On the kit release yeah, web page, why are the San Diego kits for like super skinny people when everyone else is normal size? You're right. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they're looking at the shape. Yeah, you're right, Craig. Yeah, that's what we're yeah, uh, like, I guess like old boys rugby, uh, you know, like your eighty year old uh, fly half fits in that body shape. Um, so, and then I guess people were annoyed at the overtly patriotic tones of, um, of old glory, but this is, this is my sort of comment. It reminds me of those samurai USA sevens kits when Mike Friday was pissed off at Adidas. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you're right. That's what, that's what it reminds me of. Right. And I'm just like, eh, you know, if they went with the reverse color palette of like New England and their jersey was primarily red with blue with thin blue and white hoops, I think that would be lovely. But it's it's not the it's not the worst. Uh, the worst. I like the only thing I, I think is weird about them. I like red, white, and blue stuff. I, I like patriotic patterns, but uh, it looks like there's a marijuana leaf in the stars, doesn't it? <laughs> Dude, <what? laughs> oh man, oh, that's not right. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo. Um, I guess the one that's disappointing for me, and I guess Los in the Guiltinis are going to have a different. Um, they're going to have a, another jersey, but they only went with. A white kit. So boring. It's uh, yeah. Looks like the arrows. It's good. You know. So, if you went with an all white kit, uh, well, there was a team that already did that, and it's very culturally correct. And that is when Nola Gold was wearing home whites, because if you, because LSU wears home whites. They almost rarely never wear their actual purple jerseys. So, you know, in, in football. So, whereas other teams wearing home whites is kind of weird. Uh, 
in my, my perspective, but I wanted to see a hot pink or a hot pink and that teal kit. And then I also wanted to see that teal and hot pink. Like that's what I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Cause I, that I, I love the color palette. Love yeah. It. This thing does agree. look like a soccer jersey to me, though. In yeah, know, yeah in, I, I get for sure. I'm, I'm up with that. Um, uh, it, it is kind of cool to see more teams getting presenting sponsors. We saw uh, the announcement of Ballast Point becoming the presenting sponsor with this kit reveal uh, of San Diego. And San Diego, like Ballast Point's a great brewery. They're a very large brand now. Very low um, calories, apparently. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then Washington Federal Bank, Wafed Bank, um, has taken over the presenting sponsor rights of uh, of Seattle. So that's really cool. I want to see that activated, though. I want Washington Federal to be like, let's get some Seawolves credit cards. Let's get some Seawolves checks. I know people still write checks because I'm not the only weirdo. Out there, it's still right. Definitely, but I want to see like full activation. Like, if you're a SeaWolves, you know, fan, you can go into the catalog that they have and you can order uh, an order a Seattle SeaWolves credit card because that would be cool. Or if you offer that, you can literally get people to register for a new credit card because they want to have um, a SeaWolves credit card. And you know, I know that's true because. Apparently, Banks is the number one like consistent sponsor in sports that people uh, really um, stick with. Like, once you join a bank, you usually don't change unless it uh, happens to sponsor your sports team. You know. Mm-hmm. I also do like the fact that they took the logos of those sponsors and incorporated them into the actual jersey. So it's sort oh, of yeah, I, I, it matches well. So far, we have not seen a. In Nor- Northampton Saints situation like last season? Uh, Tool Station was pretty bad. Um, the DHL ones. Oh, yo, yeah. You know, when D- like DHL doesn't like to, uh, I guess the one that hurts me is uh, Ernst & Young, EY, with the yellow sort of slash thing mm-hmm, on the yeah. U.S. jerseys. I'm like, guys, our colors are red, white, and blue. We can make that slash, you know, blue, red, whatever. Just can we, this is a very like egg chasers esque thing when it comes to kits is like, I want sponsor logos to complement the kits. I know that on the wasps home kit, they have the regular Vodafone logo, which is what they have on the Ireland kits, which I don't Mm. like at all. Um, But on the alternate, on the, on the away kit, on the black one, on the the yellow one. Oh, the yellow, yeah, you're right. The yellow one. It's the Vodafone logo is is yellow and black. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So, I wish sponsors would would be amenable to that. So far, um, we have been all right. Like, even if you look at the the one on Atlanta, like mm. part of that logo still fits with Atlanta because it's gray. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'll see what you mean. So it's not. Um, it's not much of a change to the color palette. So more, more money coming into the game with sponsorships. Very important. Um, yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, I'm waiting on my new England stash. Cause I, I told, uh, I told new England, 
I don't take money, but you can buy me. Hey, hey, that's <laughs> that goes for every team. If you send me kits, I'll, I'll wear I'll it. So the two teams, that someone on our podcast was affiliated with New England. Um, the there is a the two teams that have sent me kits in the past are Seattle and Utah. So, um, if you want to know who I'm actually a fan of. Um, it's the teams who send me merch. So, um, so I, I really, I have been, I think I got accused. This goes way back to season one. I got accused of being a San Diego fan. And I'm just like, I just like rugby, man. I I tried to be the, I I was the nonpartisan person on this show and remain the nonpartisan person on this show. Now, like if you, I will say if a team starts winning, I I do kind of like, get into like fandom of a winner. Um, cause I, well, just, a, just an open bandwagon fan. Eh? Open, open what, if bandwagon. Team, what if a team came to Phoenix? That's different, man. If I'm in the city, wow. we're in New York. Yeah. Of course. So we're gonna Rooney, of course. That's fine. That's fine. I'm saying I don't have a team here. Therefore, uh, you know, I try to be neutral and root for the teams that send me stuff. You try to be neutral and jump on the bandwagon of any winning team. So we'll see. We'll, we'll just call first place uh, the, the Aaron Castro uh, fan fan leadership contest. <laughs> All right. So on to questions. Um, from Life Love Rugby, obviously other markets need to be added in the USA and Canada first, but should MLR expand to Mexico or let Slar take it also. Uh, what other no. MLR team do you see b- being next to announce a home stadium being built? Well, I want to see Utah build theirs. Um, MLR should not allow Slar to come north. I don't think Rugby Mexico is remotely looking to fund a team uh, in Slar. I think that just based on the economics of that union, they're not in a place to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, um, it would kind of go against like how Mexican sports are funded, which are privately funded teams. And there has been interest across the border uh, in Tijuana. Uh, there have been partnerships uh, between the San Diego Legion and Los Zolos, um, to which are a soccer club. By the way, yo, Tijuana FC, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. To to grow rugby on the south side of the board. Um, So, like, that's cool. Um, Let's go Cholos. And and supposedly there's been interest in Monterey because um, the the teams, uh, Houston has business connections um, south of the border uh, in Mexico. So there is some type of interest. It's just about getting everything, you know, together. I think – and you have to develop the talent that's there. So, do I see? Is there a possibility of a Mexican team? Oh yeah, no, no there isn't. Not for no, a while. In MLR, like yeah. possibility. Uh, yeah, yeah but not right for a while. Not for a while. If if a team if 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 an owner wants to spend the money, um, I'm sure the MLR board will take the bid um, as serious as they took the Conaloa bid, which was like. Uh, do you have the money? Oh, wait, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Does that book? 
Uh, yeah, that's. I guess that saga is still going on in New Zealand. On oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I. Hey, I'm a bitter. Uh, MLR should not allow Slar to come into Mexico. Um, I don't see Slar. Just the travel makes no sense. For Yo, dude, like really, Colombia's the closest country, and that's a freaking five-hour flight from Mexico City. That makes no sense. So yeah. Um. Now on to the Facebook. For questions, we're getting there. We're getting so, um, William Stillwell goes in a Facebook Messenger conversation. The coach for the Guiltini stated that the team still plans at the LA Coliseum. How likely is this, considering it's an 80,000 seat venue? Has there been any confirmation on where the team may actually play their home games? Um, everything I've heard is that they are still playing at the Coliseum. Uh, Contracts been signed? I have no idea, but uh, they keep telling people they're playing at the Coliseum. What you guys don't think they're going to fill eighty thousand? I think they can. <laughs> oh, dude, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I don't even know what they're in reference to anymore. Who no, is doing? Kanaloa. Okay. They might as well play rather in in, in um in um University of California Berkeley if if anything. <laughs> They're gonna fly to Berkeley County. Yeah, to just, just, County. To, just to play. You remind that? No, that's ridiculous. Uh oh, UCLA. Yeah, they can play UCLA. Yeah, I, I think like a more effective location, and this is my opinion, is playing at Drake Stadium at UCLA. It's a ten thousand seat stadium. They broadcast events there. Um, you know, it's it's not. It wouldn't be a difficult place, uh, and supposedly they're going to, at least originally, I don't know if that's changed, they were going to train at UCLA according to the same press release. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You always got to fear what the, the booze sale situation is, though, with these college facilities. Well, when I was a child, they sold booze at the Coliseum. To you as a uh, child? <laughs> yeah. <I never laughs> uh, but... During my childhood, when I would go to UCLA, UCLA USC games and UC, USC Notre Dame games, they stopped selling beer at the Coliseum, and they do not sell beer at the Coliseum, and they don't sell beer at uh, UCLA. Now, could you be granted a temporary liquor sales license on an event basis? Yes, that exists because they have concerts like techno concerts at the Coliseum, like every summer like four or five of them and they sell beer there. So there, <laughs> there are ways around this. Um, <laughs> if only they knew. <laughs> uh, you know, um, it, it is, it is what it is generally. Um, but uh, I guess uh, Dustin Zerr, the, uh, the host of the Austin Rugby Podcast, which uh, I guess, and now Texas Monthly Podcast, um, which covers grassroots rugby and professional rugby in Texas, um, asks, what does it take to get Aaron Casher to cave on his no buying of a certain liquid product of the rest of the year? I think it's more of a question um, of what does it take for me to actually go with what I originally said was to not buy the rest of the year. I don't know what this is about. It's pronounced Smith. Um, 
Like, is that because there's another JP Smith in the league? Oh man, it's descending into chaos. We're gonna have to cut this off. Yeah. Um, also, from Dustin's error, what kind of person calls themselves a rugby influencer? Uh, hopefully, no one, um, unless they're verified in Twitter. Just, just saying. If you don't got a blue check, you're not a rugby influencer. So wait, is, is a rugby influencer someone who influences rugby, or is it someone who plays rugby and influences the world? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, no question. Question back to you, Dustin Zerer. Um, I guess it's sort of a jib between him and uh, and Scott. Um, and then Rob Hammerschmidt goes, can anyone delicately dance in the circles of rugby, Star Wars, geekdom, and social justice quite like Liam Poach? Um, I mean, two of those definitely. Um, although I am not <laughs> caught up um, on uh, – so. One the Mandalorian. No, but no, apparently baby Yoda committed mass genocide by eating eggs. He's, he's got a name now, Aaron. It's it's Grogu. Uh yeah, no one knows this, but there was a, a brief time period, I think it was during the pandemic, where Liam and I were trying to convince Aaron a stars uh podcast like an earful of the force or something uh you do like a whole show or you know series mini series of shows where we talked about star we really, Wars. Need, to, we really need to do this like, i don't think i think aaron was reluctant <laughs> we were we were pushing uh and i got kind of got kind of quiet on the chat and then the idea uh, just kind of went away so reach out fans if you want the earful of the force yeah um maybe we can get liam back for that um from scott ferreira does Craig order his cheesesteaks with onion? Uh, I don't order cheesesteaks, uh, but if I did, no, I would also not order them with onion. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know anything. Like, so my thing with cheesesteaks, right, is I don't like the cheese whiz. Like, I like the, um, I like real cheese. So maybe that isn't an authentic uh, Philly yeah. cheesesteak, but. Peppers, onions, like load that stuff up there with the steak and uh, put real cheese on it. You know, I mean, if I was at Subway and I was getting a steak and cheese sandwich, I might get some onions. Now, maybe if you melted like actual cheese rather than whatever that stuff is that they put on it, I could I could deal with that sort of like liquid cheese thing going. Um, Dustin, I don't know what your beef is with you know thirty minutes on Game of Thrones. That was a uh, that was a, you know, a worldwide phenomenon. Um, you know, it's although some people were very mad that we said that much time. Uh, when it when it comes to, uh, so, do you guys think this is going to be like season one, but a higher quality season than season one was, where it's just wide open? even though there is some continuity with rosters, especially in NOLA. New Orleans has a lot of continuity because they signed guys to multiple multi-year deals last year, and they signed a bunch of dudes to multi-year deals this year. But because like some of the teams will have guys in camp early, but most of the teams won't have guys in camp until like the 1st of February. I think camp starts on the 5th. Mm-hmm. So do you think like it's just going to be completely wide open? I mean, there's a lot of 
Uh, there is effectively right now four completely brand new coaching staffs. Two of those, oh, yeah, and then sort of some some changes to some other coaching staffs as well. Uh, like, how wide open do you think the season is? Because people, I guess there are some client complaints about all these foreigners coming into the league, and I'm like, there are really not that many. Like, you know, you added one team, so uh, there's 10 more slots available. Like, oh, and then you have the people that are complaining about the Canadian signings, and I was like, well, I mean, there's still, you know, going to be 13 more Americans on the field uh, than there were the year before in any given, like, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. Season one, did it, didn't we go into season one with Houston as our Oh, yeah. Like, Seattle, uh, last plays big. I mean, yeah. we'll never I remember those days. Again. We'll never yeah. be that clueless again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more full-time – there's a lot more full-time players than there were that year. Mm-hmm. And I think just looking at what Houston did made uh, – it ended up making no sense because the team that spent the least amount of time in preseason won. Yeah. The team that We've spent talked the- about that a, a million times, but just, I just bring it up as an example because, you know, when you're asking is this season going to be as wide open, I mean, no, I don't think there's any way it's anything's that wide open again. I think there's – you know – I think you could probably cut the league in half in my view of who's a, a likely contender this year and who's not. And, you know, among the contenders, you know, it's pretty wide open, but I mean, I don't think, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of teams that I, I would be surprised if they were competitive for the title this year. Yeah. I would say the West is sort of the most uh, is the biggest anomaly for mm-hmm. me. Um, I would say the East has a lot of very strong teams, but I kind of think it's going to be like a Toronto and New Orleans type dealio. Ooh. Um, Ooh, yeah, Craig, you heard that, Craig? Yeah, yeah Craig, you yeah. heard that, Craig? Was this, they were talking about us, bro? <laughs> Unbelievable! When, when is New that? Orleans beat? When is New Orleans ever beat Rooney? Mm. 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 Say something now. Mm. Say something now, Castro. Say something now. <laughs> Not a bit, I don't care. But, uh, you know, like, I, I think that last year uh, New York was starting to gain continuity. I talked to Greg McWilliams pretty often. Um, you know, like, the signs of a well-coached team, I think, are uh-huh. teams that win ugly games all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Rooney did last year was every they played a lot of ugly games, and they won like all of those ugly games, right? Except that stupid New England game. Oh, uh, dude, that, yo, don't remind me, bro. Bounce off the crossbar, uh, kick wherever it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey Scott, I haven't gotten my Rooster Booster shirt yet, so mm-hmm. you know, send that merch. Send that merch. Oh, Vassaro, how how deep he fell in that game. Hey, I think in the East, you know, you're likely to have Toronto, New York, New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, maybe Atlanta, you know, competitive. I think in the West, obviously, you have San Diego, um, you have Seattle, uh, you know, both sure to be competitive. 
you know, mm-hmm. beyond that, I'm, I'm not really sure, you know, who I think has a good, a realistic shot at a 2021 season championship. We know, we know so little about the expansion teams, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, beyond that, I, I think, it, I, you know, no offense to Dustin over here, but I, I think it'd be a big stretch for one of the Texas teams to have that kind of turnaround. Um you know, inter championship team in one year, and even Utah, I think. Um, you know, well, I, think I, I look at um, Austin and Utah. Utah, like, like the rosters really like they brought a lot of guys back, but the rosters really different, and they didn't have long term continuity with their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the coaching staff is all back, which is very helpful, but they didn't like, it's not like they've played a whole season under that coaching staff and brought most of the guys back. And like Dustin said, um, the roster has had a lot of changeover in Austin and the staff is the coaching staff is completely different. So once, when you have a complete, uh, uh, changeover like that, it's, it's really hard to know. Um, Yeah, it will be hilarious if Galtini is the best team in the West. It will be really funny. I mean, they they have a really good coaching staff, but just like everything else, like the coaching staff has to gel too. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, like none of them have worked together before, mm-hmm. yep. so it's not like you know they're going to put the best. They're, they're I think they're going to be physical. I think they're going to be strong. Uh, what to expect? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do not know. Um, and it's just it's, it's going to be interesting um, for the season, especially with a late start. There's a lot of questions. Like people are like, well, um, do you think MLR will just go with a hard start in 2022 with March and like completely not care about uh, the uh, uh, what was it? not care about like whatever international rugby does. And I was like, well, there's the July test window. Mm-hmm. And apparently we have to play qualifiers next year. So it's going to get weird when it mm-hmm. comes to schedule. And then I don't know what 2022 is going to look like. No idea. Yep. Because I don't know what next month is going to look like. And next month is tomorrow. Yep. That's right. Literally. So, uh, yeah. at least in at least in these nice states that have weather and seasons. <laughs> are you guys like? Do you guys have, are you? Is it like freezing rain right now? It is I mean, raining, it was, yeah, but rainy and windy today. Yeah, yeah, very sucky today. Windy. It was you know a nice forty-five degrees when I went running this morning. Um, you know, it was very wintry. Here. Wow, nice. What if I agree in down south? Nice. Dude, it, it did not. Outside is frightful. It was like 100 degrees until November 1st. Yo, bro. No, no, you deserve it. Forget it. You deserve it. <laughs> deserve it. It was awful. It was Damn, so- dude. 100 in November? God damn it. Okay. So, um. Hey, Scott. I'm all about snow rugby. I'm not sure if you remember. But I was like, bring all that weather. Mm-hmm. Bring all that weather. But your yeah. owner once famously said, and smartly on Rugby Wrap-Up, that uh, starting later really isn't about 
the rugby itself as much as it is about fans. Because when I, like he and I spoke, talked about this like one time and it's like uh, me and James Kennedy talked about this. It was like, we're rugby is not so implanted in American culture that you can get um, 200 volunteers to come like shovel the stadium out. You know. Especially not that Coney Island uh, wind tunnel, Scott. I think I call. I mean, even in April, it was freezing in in uh, MCU. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that. I was yeah, there. But I will say, you guys have the best restaurant for post match eating. Mm. Oh Nathan's yeah, you're uh, Nathan's. Nathan's was a yeah. good uh, a good mm-hmm. time. Like, that's such a random assortment of, of American rugby faces just standing around tables in Nathan's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. And Coney Island Brewery as a pregame spot, I think, is not too bad either. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think we've, we, I was trying to keep it like tighter and short and sort of random. We sort of did less random stuff, but um, I don't know. Uh, we'll try to be at you maybe one more time before the end of the year. But, uh, you know, it's uh, season's on March 20th. So it's, it's got, got a long time before even players report officially report to camp. So we'll, we'll season of Mandalorian, though. We'll try to keep you updated on um, Twitter uh, and on Facebook. But if you do want us to talk about Star Wars, <laughs> might get into that. I hope, I hope Liam's listening to this right now. <laughs> so uh, you can catch me. Uh, at the Strobro on Twitter. You can catch Earful of Dirt at Earful of Dirt on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, if you love Spanish um, and you love Spanish rugby coverage, uh, please visit uh, the Unla Mele podcast uh, at Unla Mele on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it, also. No Instagram. No Instagram. No Instagram. All no right, Instagram. All right. All right. Um, yeah, it, you, yeah, I know it's weird with me because I'm literally the one to start Instagram for for EOD, but that's it now. <laughs> I but, uh, uh, and check them out on your podcast server. Uh, I personally, my Spanish is horrible, so mm-hmm. um, my Spanish is too fast for you. So they, yeah, they've been cranking <laughs> it. Um, Victor and Raphael have been cranking out some really good stuff. I love, uh, you know, I love seeing those tweets come across and just providing something that sort of doesn't exist in the U S marketplace. And then um, you can find Craig Gerdelli at American RFC on Twitter, and we will get him to write uh, at least two columns before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And by the way, real quick, guys, I'm going to make a quick, a quick comment before we, 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 we finish. So it's been official. Uh, um, the Argentina rugby union has suspended Pablo Matera. Guido Petty and, and Santiago Sochino from the Pumas. Pablo has been asked as Pumas captain because of the whole thing with the tweets from 2012. So, yeah. Live for what they did when they were. Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. This, this yeah. happened with the Coyotes. They, they, they clapped, they, they cut a kid they drafted uh, who did some stupid stuff on Twitter when he was like 13. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. But they're responding to the outrage of a bunch of soccer fans that were never going to buy tickets. Because yeah. what what I think what occurred was people were mad at Argentina, the the Pumas for not making it a bigger thing about Diego Maradona, and then someone went and found 
his his uh his idiotic tweets, which we sort of talked about before the show. But I I don't I mean I don't, I don't think that's the correct response. But I guess he deleted his Twitter and didn't apologize. But I so what what is the are they going to apologize and? get trotted out and then allowed back on the team, the next test series. Like, are we punished? Like, do we know that inside his heart, he's still a jerk? Like, I, I, I personally don't know. Like I, I'm not gonna, this is much different than the Israel Falau thing. Oh my God. Yeah. So I, I don't know if suspending Pablo and it was three guys. It was yeah, three guys. Yeah. Pablo Guido and Santiago. I don't know if suspending those guys, from the team for one test for something they did seven years ago makes any sense. Mm-hmm. May maybe make them donate some money. I, yeah. I I don't know. Like if you're an Argentina fan, you can make the judgment. I just it was something he said at when he was like 17 or 18, and it's not what people think it means because it's Spanish and. It has specific, yeah. I'm not even going to get into it. Just if you, if Union the Argentina thinks that is what they need to do, mm-hmm. I'm out. You know, I don't care. Um, but I can tell you that uh, if they just get rid of him as captain, they're that squad's going to fall apart. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely listen to Australia now. All right. Maybe. Well, we're out. Uh, follow us on those ats. And uh, see y'all soon. Thank you for watching. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next time. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby.